put you in a better mood. You're at a two. I need you at a ten. I'm gradually getting there. No, you're not. I, my our our entire lives are on this passport, and it will not fire up and connect to my computer. It's dead, there's, bro. There's always a solution. Our entire lives are on this hard drive. Our podcasting lives, my photography, everything is on here. Tell me about your photography for a second, please. You know, it is probably the best quality photos you'd see on Instagram that's not on Instagram. Okay. How's everybody's week? Good. Pretty good. <laughs> what are you giggling about? Who knows? What do you do during the summer? Are you just like off all summer or do you do other oh, yeah. things? I'm just sitting here just relaxing to the max. And... Nice. Yeah. You should start designing our... Our show merch. Wait, we got to change. No, not yet. But yes. Where are we getting a new name? Yes, because the fun table doesn't tell you what we actually do. We have fun at a table. (laughs) (laughs) I think it should be called Table 19, like that wedding movie. That's an awful movie. Oh, you don't like that movie? No, I really wanted to, too. Anna Kendrick is a treasure. Okay, sorry. What about it did you not like? I just, I thought it was going to just be better all around. I don't don't know. I have high expectations for Anna Kendrick. And it just, it it didn't, it didn't deliver. See, to me, it's because the movie didn't meet my expectations that I actually liked it. I like movie, like, I think it's very much like this movie where you think it's going to be like a fun little time and then it's not that fun. And then it's not. And then, but that's what I like about it. I wish we were doing a visual pod for this one so that we could have Antonio just sit there with a notepad and just hold up, hold up what he's thinking. <laughs> because the sound never works. You're like, wait, that he's scribbling. Amazing. He's scribbling. <laughs> What's he got? You're like, what is. Antonio, you hate everyone? Wait, would you underline? Leave me alone. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, everyone. Okay. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get started. We're gonna have fun. So tonight we've got Brandon, Brian, Amanda, and myself. Hello, hello, hello. Say hello, everybody. What's up, guys? How's it hello. going? Hopefully, guys, again, don't hear the band at any point. <laughs> the movie we're doing this week. How did we wind up selecting this movie? It was an open slot. It was an open slot. Nothing good released here ever in the last. 35 years, apparently. Wow. Tell us how you really feel about this movie. Oh, that's true. That was, no, no, that was, no, no, a, that no. was a slight jab. No, we've been trying to do movies that correlate to the week that they were released in their respective year. Mm. This particular week, I guess, in cinema history in the last 35 years, didn't really have anything that really stuck out. When was this released? Thank you, Dow, for asking that. No problem. So the movie that we're doing this week is... Little Miss Sunshine, and Little Miss Sunshine premiered on August the 18th, 2006, 15 years ago. So it was an August movie, which is kind of when award season kind of kicks off when it comes to movies, like the movies in the fall, usually the ones that are talked about at the Oscars and whatnot. So 15 years ago, it brought in $101 million worldwide on an $8 million budget. Indie movies, man. I really hope you guys looked at some indie movies because we're going to have a deep dive on indie movies. Oh, God dang it. Why don't you tell us this stuff ahead of time? It's, it's in the outline, Amanda. <laughs> tread, tread lightly. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, tread lightly. 
That wasn't there yesterday. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. No, it wasn't. It's been yes, there it the was. Whole time. God, my you my mood's getting bitch. better and it was, better. It was. It was. It was so. It was in there so hard that I had to text Kurt. Kurt, name your favorite indie movies because whenever we do this section, Kurt's like, "Why didn't you name this? Why didn't you name this?" I was like, "Cause Ryan just like randomly asks. I can't think of all that stuff right away." It's yeah. fuck. Okay, it keeps you guys on your toes. Okay, so but I love indie movies. I do too. So then, let me ask you this question of the week: We need like a sound effect like boom doom or i don't know like jung jung or i don't know <laughs> like in like in law and order oh that would be a good one <laughs> let's go with the question of the week it was very obvious i think where i was going with this one maybe maybe not a little twist to it is this one of the top three indie movies of the 2000s no that was a fast, quick response for someone who's unprepared. I'm excited. Ill-prepared Amanda over here without thinking said no. Well, how about this? How about let me name a few from the 2000s, a few indie movies, and you tell me where it stacks up. Okay, ready? We got Napoleon Dynamite. Okay, <laughs> see? Exactly. Uh-huh. Waiting. Uh-huh. 500 Days of Summer. Uh-huh. Memento. Yes, that's the one I was going to say. Never heard of her. <laughs> <laughs> Donnie Darko, Juno, Requiem of a Dream. Here's three right here that I think you guys are going to go, oh, maybe it might not fit in the top three. The Wrestler, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Lost in Translation. Did you mention Juno at all? He did. He did. And one of my all-time favorites. Does this movie that we're doing this week even crack, let's say, like the top five of those? I think it does. I always struggle with this. What is the definition of an indie movie? Is an indie movie just something that was made on a really small budget or made by a small studio? Like, what is the real definition of an indie movie? That's that's exactly, yeah. When an actor is willing to take a pay cut in order to be in a movie, it feels like it's because the budget isn't big enough, so therefore it's an independent film. So if we're, I mean, if we're going off of, you know, maybe big name actors or pre big name actors um, or a grouping of actors willing to take a pay cut to do uh, movies as indie movies. Then I guess, right. Um, those ensemble movies like Valentine's day and uh, new year's <laughs> Eve also count. It's gotta be like small studio, like Royal Tenenbaums. <laughs> the definition of an independent so film funny. is a feature film or short film that is produced outside the major film studio system, in addition to being produced and distributed by independent entertainment companies. They're sometimes distinguishable by their content and style and the way in which the filmmaker's personal artistic vision is realized. So I would just say it's just your not typical mainstream, big budget, big studio movie. The Royal Tenenbaums, that's considered an independent film as well. Yes. And just like looking up some of the notable indie films, uh, American Psycho is counted, I guess, as an, as Whoa, an indie really? film. Small, but right. And so that's that's kind of why I asked, you know, what counts as, a, as an indie film? Sure. Because uh, budget budget of $7 million only made $34 million, but it's got all those big names in it. Sure. Uh, you've got, you know, obviously Bale. Uh, Leto, Defoe, it's it, but it's considered an indie movie. Um, According to the Wikipedia, Bring yeah. It On is an independent <gasps> film. So I don't know if Little Miss Sunshine makes it all the way up there. But when was That's Bring tough. It On? It can't be in the 2000s. There's 99. No 2000. 
Oh. Ooh, right under the... On the threshold of the decade. When Amy and I first started dating, all she wanted to do was brush our teeth together, looking in a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> and then, would she cover her mouth when she yeah, spit? exactly. <laughs> and she's like, okay, you spit now. And I'm like... <laughs> She's like, okay, I'm going to spit now. <laughs> I could do a whole podcast on Jesse Bradford. Hackers. I hope they serve beer in hell. Dance, oh monkey. Dance for your dollar. <laughs> so top five top five indie movies of the 2000s. That's, I, I think that's a tough call. I think it's a great movie. But uh, I, again, I think when you're talking about indie movies too, it's hard because I think indie movies hold a special place in a lot of movie, movie watchers' hearts. Mm-hmm. So there's only so much space for those indie movies, like if you're going to talk about top five, right? People feel very strongly. Yeah. Almost more so than blockbusters, yeah. Usually when you pick an indie movie that you love, it's because it re- you relate to it on a really emotional level. Like, like bring it on. Yeah. And I, I think, <laughs> well, I think, it, I think when Little Miss Sunshine came out, and certainly when I watched this movie, there wasn't a character in my necessarily – like age group slash relatability. Like I was probably 30 when I first watched the movie. I watched it obviously after it came out, but there isn't like, I mean, at that point I didn't have like, I wasn't a high school kid waiting to get out of high school. And I also wasn't like a dude with high school aged kids. So the connection wasn't there as some of some other indie movies might've been. So then why do you love this movie? I love it for the same reason. I love a movie like table table 19. Like I love, movies that you think are going to be funny but actually turn a little dark because i have a problem with dark movies that are dark but comedies that are dark i love it paints a realistic portrait i think of what human life is like if you look at their family for all intents and purposes they should have a fairly happy life right like two kids mom is obviously successful dad is working on a startup that could potentially be successful it's just very obvious really quickly that that is not at all the case and I think it's refreshing to see that because it allows you to, um, for yourself to be human as well in your own life, I think. Let's get into that because that opening scene is where we meet the entire cast, essentially, that that dinner scene. One of the reasons why this movie is so revered is because of the beloved cast. Cast includes Craig Kinnear. um, Tony Collette. Tony Collette. Steve Carell. (laughs) Abigail Breslin. Paul, you want me to leave? Shitty ass Dano. Paul Dano. How fucking dare you? Alan Arkin? Okay, so the cast is pretty incredible. Breakout stars. Steve Carell was not the first choice for who they wanted to play Uncle Frank. Can anybody guess who the first choice they wanted was? No, I have no idea. So the first choice was Bill Murray, which oh. he passed. Can anybody think of the second person? <laughs> <laughs> The second, the second choice was Robin Williams, which I think both Bill Murray and Robin Williams takes this movie in a completely different direction. And not one that I really want to go down because I think Steve Carell does an excellent job of just being part of the supporting cast where I think Bill Murray would have been a little too distracting and Robin Williams, as much as I absolutely adore and love everything that he does, I think it would have been more about him and less about the family and actually the whole purpose of the movie, the goal of the movie. They looked at Steve Carell. They're like, I don't think he's big enough, but if that's who you want, let's go ahead and go with that. Then it just so happens that 
2005, while they're filming this movie, out comes the first season of The Office. Out comes 40-Year-Old Virgin. So I really think the fact that he was cast in this movie brought a lot of people to the box or to the theater to see this movie. Yeah, I mean, out of everyone in the cast, that's who would have done it, right? So, Brandon, why do you love this movie? I actually have never seen this movie before. I want to be honest. I'm not sure if I... I I don't remember what my selection was for this movie or where this fell. Um, it, it obviously has a, has a great reputation, uh, but uh, for this pod was the first time that I watched it. Did it live up to the hype? Uh, I thought it was good. Um, I, I don't want to call it a special movie, but uh, there's, there's some, some moments in there that, that are really, I, and I think that a few years ago, um, cause we're, we're pageant parents. I don't know if you guys <gasps> really? know that or not. Yes. Oh, we do. Wow. We used to do pageants. We don't anymore. I, th- I think that a few years ago, this movie might not have had as big of an impact, but the the pageant aspect, the Little Miss Sunshine aspect of uh, the the movie, uh, really hit close to home. I have so many questions. It's your podcast, Brandon. Yeah, <laughs> your episode. Yeah. <laughs> so, Amanda, why do you love this movie? I like indie films in general. I like movies like this where people sometimes come away from it saying like. What was the point? Mm. I love movies like that. They're my favorite. Which, and which you and I have had a lot of that where I've watched a movie similar to Little Miss Sunshine and you've been like, I don't get it. That was really boring. Name it. I can't name it. It was There was one recently, though, in between seasons. Pretentious. <laughs> the guy who loves I said, Predator. I said, I'm pretentious. Oh. I was like, I'm the least pretentious person. You've watched when it comes Suicide to uh, Suicide Squad a dozen times. You are not pretentious. I wear that as a badge of honor. Good, you should. I like Suicide Squad. I can't believe we agree on something. <laughs> My friend Derek also likes Suicide Squad a lot. <laughs> okay. Uh, this movie was nominated for four Oscars, including Best Performance by an Actor in Supporting Role, which won for Alan Arkin. Who plays Grandpa? Oscar winner for Best Writing for Original Screenplay by Michael Arndt. Who also, didn't he write the screenplay for your favorite Star Wars, Brandon? The Force Awakens? What a, what a, what a great movie. <laughs> it was nominated for Best Picture. Didn't win. And it was also nominated Best Supporting Actress for Abigail Breslin. Oh, nice. I remember that award, that award season. Because I love Alan Arkin and I really like his performance in here. I really think that year Eddie Murphy should have won. I wish they could have given like a tie Oscar. Like both of you guys win. Because that was the Dream Girls year. Jennifer mm-hmm. Hudson obviously deserved it. I feel like Eddie also probably gets a raw deal in like award season and stuff, even with an amazing performance, right? Like Oh yeah. Uh like last year when he wasn't nominated for or two years ago when he wasn't nominated for uh that Netflix movie. Oh, Jesus, why am I drawing a blank? Coming to America too. <laughs> no, 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 it just came out. Um, Dolomite is my name. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I just feel like a personality like Eddie Murphy probably gets the shaft when it comes to... Well, he shouldn't have done Pluto Nash. I mean, there's a few things. <laughs> there's a few things, but yes. It wound up winning the SAG Award for Best Ensemble Cast, which... How do you go from... Dream Girls to Norbit. <laughs> How does that happen? But see, but see I think exactly that, 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 like, that emphasizes the point is like, 
a person like Keanu Reeves will probably never win an Academy Award for like acting just because like or like Nicolas Cage. That's probably a better example than he's won an Oscar win leaving Las Vegas 1996. Okay, you're right. Exactly. But like once you do Sorcerer's Apprentice, you're officially blacklisted. Well, okay. That's what I'm saying. But like that's what I'm saying about that's Eddie a great Murphy. movie. As soon as he got on the motorcycle and his head became a skull, it was just gone from that that's, point that's on. That's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like at some point you're almost like blacklisted from winning like those kind of awards, depending on the movie choices that you choose to do. Dreamgirls probably got him, Norbit. <laughs> it goes back to Entourage, right? You take your next job before your movie comes out. Yeah. So in case it tanks, you have a job. Somebody was like, here, Eddie, here's Norbit. He's like, take it. This dream girl shit. I don't know how it's going to go. Exactly. Oh, damn. I got nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> Do you guys consider this movie a family movie? Everything I, I see is like a, a a black comedy, dramedy, road trip movie. So I guess it fits into several different categories. But what would you consider this? I think it's a black comedy. Yeah, dark comedy for sure. So I'm not going to lie. I did not come up with a summary of this movie at all. That was left blank, yeah. Well, it was Amanda's turn this week. <laughs> what the fuck? I don't sweep the driveway. Just go to IM. Just go to go to Wiki and, and read the plot summary. Yeah, let's do that. So, if you haven't seen this movie, here is a summary: the Hoover family, which is a man, his wife, an uncle, a brother, and a grandfather, puts the fun. Okay, this is stupid. <laughs> Fuck it, I'm just going to read it. I miss Antonio. <laughs> yeah, I do. This is, he was so good at these. The Hoover family, a man, his wife, an uncle, a brother, and a grandfather, puts the fun back in dysfunctional by piling into a Vida bus and heading to California to support a daughter in her bid to win the Little Miss Sunshine contest. The sanity of everyone involved is stretched to the limit as the group's quirks cause epic problems as they travel along the interstate route, leading to some fun some tears, and ultimately a description of what family truly means. Love it. Not bad. Ship it. I'll go with that. Sure. So, as we always do, we're going to go and hit one of our favorite scenes in the beginning, the middle, and the end of the movie. So, Dow, why don't you kick us off? So, I know everybody loves the dinner scene, but I really enjoy the introduction scene, the one before that, where every character gets their... 15 to 30 seconds on screen and it kind of tells you exactly where they are at this current moment and kind of sums up their character like the dad giving the speech to like a room full of very unenthusiastic um, attendees at his like conference I guess Dow is that what teaching math is all about these days does it feel like that does it look like that uh it it does which is why I try to keep my lectures to less than five minutes I'll say the dinner scene and what I love about it is it, it no pun intended, sets the table of what's to come. You kind of see everyone's quirks. You, you know, you have Steve, Kirk, you have Uncle Frank trying to gather in because obviously he's been a part of their lives, but not really like super close. So he's, you know, oh, you're not, you know, you're not talking now. And oh, look, you're so big. Olive, you're like a real person now, you know. I like the introduction in that way. I love the the banter between Greg Kinnear and Tony Collette. And then all of a sudden it just kicks off with grandpa just coming in there, just firing away. Yeah. Fucking chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Again. 
And then the dad's like, well, if you want, if you don't want chicken, then go, you should go make something else yourself. And he's like, fuck that. Yeah. I just eat chicken. Amanda, what about you? What's your. I don't have anything original here. I think the breakfast, not the breakfast, the dinner scene um, is the best scene in the beginning. I also really like the moment where um, Abigail Breslin learns that, or Olive learns that she gets to go to Little Miss Sunshine. That kind of like. That supersonic scream. Well, that it, there's just a lot of things happening there because it, it makes you kind of feel like the dysfunction of the family. I know it had already showed that before, but it's just turned the, the volume up a little on it. Yeah, every because all of a sudden pressures on a lot of people to do a lot of things really quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you really see the cracks. What about you, Brandon? What's your favorite scene from the beginning of the movie? The dinner scene's the best scene in the uh, the opening of the movie. I liked it, though. Um, specifically when they're explaining to seven-year-old Abigail uh, about suicide. and Yes. I love that. What happened to your arms? Because yes. that's, that's, that's me. I, I am full on Greg Kinnear in that situation. I'm like, oh, I don't know if this is appropriate. And Lindsay would be sitting there like, like, oh, it's fine. Go ahead and answer the question. I'm like, I don't think we should be having this conversation right now. So seven. It's so funny that you say that because I was watching that conversation play out. And I was like, this is like a conversation we've had at our own dinner table. Not about suicide necessarily, but just like me being like, she's going to find out eventually. You might as well just tell her. And then Ryan being like, no, we're not talking about this. It's inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. But that is such an interesting thing, especially when you have kids, right? Like it's like a balance between and I think that's a big thing throughout the whole movie is like that relationship the parents have with the kids is like, what do you support? And what do you protect? And it's such a fine line. I think it's the best scene of the entire movie, perfectly honest, like acting wise, where it's storytelling, you're learning about everyone in such a short amount of time tells everybody their backstory. Why is her dad living with them? Oh, because he got kicked out for fucking every inmate, not inmate, every resident and then snorting heroin. You know, why is Dwayne silent? Oh, because he's, do we say Nietzsche or? Yeah, Nietzsche. But what is, what does Uncle Frank call it? He calls it something else. Friedrich Nietzsche or something like that. Yeah, something like that. I mean, that's probably the proper way. A Probst Award winner would know how to pronounce that. (laughs) He's the number one scholar in the world. Did you know that? Foremost scholar. Yeah, foremost scholar. (laughs) Number one foremost. He's not number one. He's number four. (laughs) But he's the most four. They don't go into Tony Collette much. But they do because she makes the comment about like how she's tired of bringing in all the money. They never say what she does, though, do they? No, they don't. But you know that she is the breadwinner in that family. Oh, absolutely. But as soon and, as the steps kick off. Yeah, exactly. And so that's another, that's a discussion for, yeah. She's a, it, it shows her character is tired. Yes. Because she's the only breadwinner. She's definitely resentful to Richard because Richard is pursuing this dream that she knows is, or that she thinks is not going to go anywhere. And his dad's living there for free. Like and she's taking she's, care of him. Yeah. Like she's the one that buys the chicken. Yep. I love how that scene ends, though, and then we'll move on to the middle, is when they're talking about how they all have to go, basically, and they're, you know, like, well, why don't you drive? And Grandpa goes, I'm not driving. And then Cheryl 
Tony Collette's character goes, well, then grandma doesn't have to come. He goes, what? I coached her. I gave her the moves. (laughs) I gotta go. I gave her the moves. He's so good. Definitely deserved the Oscar. Uh, Dow, what do you have for the middle of the movie? Your favorite scene? I picked the, the, the stuck horn followed by the police, the policeman (laughs) after the dad dies, because like, they're starting to move and they're starting to really groove and they're kind of connecting, but, and then all of a sudden this stupid horn gets stuck. (laughs) To me, it was just anxiety hell. Like, you know that people in front of you think you're honking at them, even though you're not, and you're trying to fix it by honking it even louder to maybe unstick it. (laughs) And then a police officer pulls you over and you have your dead grandfather in the back. (laughs) And the thing that saved them is just like, so funny and it's it's believable that some like boomer police officer would find some porno mags and be like oh i get it i get why you didn't want me to go back there i I really i really like these yeah it's like oh we went a different way with this one (laughs) oh uncle hank yep does anybody else think that this might have been a breaking bad prequel they're from albuquerque Ooh, that literally could have been hank when he was a beat cop before he joined the DEA. We never there see his go. name tag. I don't know if they were still in Albuquerque at the time, though. Not to, like, crush your dreams. <laughs> I'm just talking shit. Brandon, what's your favorite scene in the middle? And I understand the middle of the movie is the meat. I mean, this is, like, it's really hard to just choose one scene. I mean, if you want to do one or two really quick. But, like, the middle of the movie, I think, is the best part of this movie. For me, it's probably when Frank runs into his student, his, the, the, the guy he was in love with in the in the store. That's silly. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> I, I was just like, man, that's that's rough. Jesus. Um, but yeah, I, that that scene for for some reason, I just really liked that 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 encounter. Literally, the worst thing that could happen to him. Yeah, and the, and the the funniest I had that was actually one of my the funniest moment I think in the movie is when the students like. So what have you been up to? And he's like, yeah, I've been up to a lot. And then the clerk starts starts clicking. He starts checking them out. And he's checking out porno mags. Like, <laughs> and then he has to, like, take them. <laughs> Amanda, what do you got? What's your favorite scene in the middle of the movie? It's hard to differentiate what the middle is from the end because it all just goes so quickly. But um, I really like the diner scene. I was hoping one of you guys would choose yes. that one. What, what is it about that scene that you really, really like? You just hurt for Olive. You know what I'm saying? Like, and you're seeing essentially what her life has probably always been like with her parents, where one is just like shitting on her nicely. Yeah. And the other one's trying very hard to get him to stop. I disagree and push back on that. Of course you do. Of course you do. The dad is an absolute dick for body shaming his daughter. Yes. What doesn't help is that the mom didn't fight back on that. What she said was, if you want to be fat, be fat. If you want to be skinny, be skinny. She didn't say, hey, you're eight years old. Eat as much ice cream as you want. I didn't like the way she answered either. I don't think that she was really necessarily helping her own daughter out. It was like, yeah, you know what? Your dad's right. You know, you could be fat and that's fine. You could be happy and be fat or you could be happy and be skinny. I was like, what the fuck? Really? I, well, I, I think that goes back to what Amanda was saying earlier is her character is just tired. I'm sure so she's had that she, same battle. Yeah. So if she fights back, that's a conversation she's going to have to have later at the hotel. Yeah. 
Whereas if she takes this line, then she feels like she kind of gets both worlds. You also have to remember like diet culture in the early 2000s and the mid 2000s was very focused on being rail thin, right? You had your Paris Hilton's, your Nicole Richie's, like just frail. And let's not forget about how Olive got the spot to go to Little Miss Sunshine. The girl that won the Little Miss Chili Pepper was caught with what? Diet pills. Diet pills. Ephedra. It's not necessarily I liked watching Richard do that to Olive. No, of course not. But I liked the reaction at the end of that conversation where Uncle Frank and her brother and grandpa all came to her rescue. Yes. Essentially. Yes. And I'll say this too. It kept, it hit a little close to home because I know that my mom used to do that to my sister all the time. Asian moms do not like fat daughters. They do not. Because how are you going to get a man? Yep. That's, that's so sad. So ridiculous. Yeah. Mine, I've just gone back and forth with, and I'm going to go ahead and go with this one. And it goes a little something like this. Grandpa, am I pretty? Mm. I was like, oh, God. Like, because because of the scene you just said, it just, oh, it just tears at you even more. And I love how so matter-of-factly, and I can't do it like him, and that's why he's an Oscar winner, is, Olive, you're the most beautiful girl in the whole world. Like, just so, like. He's like, I'm in love with you. Right. You're, and she goes, you're just saying that. And he goes, yeah. no, I'm madly in love with you. And it's and not, not because, because of your brains or your personality. <laughs> it's because you're beautiful inside and out. Yeah. Oh, I want to cry just hearing that. Yeah, it's that was so sweet. such good dialogue. It's probably the best line in the entire movie. Yeah. And then we lose him. I know. That was so tragic. Essentially, the last thing she ever got to hear from him. Oh, and what a wonderful memory that is to true. have of your grandpa. That is so true, yeah. I want to speak for Antonio. I think Antonio's favorite from the middle would have been uh, the Grandpa Dwayne scene in the van. When he's like, can I give you some advice? Yeah, that was so And Dwayne's cool. like, no. <laughs> well, I'm going to give it to you anyway. Yeah. I don't want you to make the same. <laughs> the first time I saw this, I remember, I was like, oh, this is where he has like a, like a come to Jesus. I, I, don't, I don't want you making the same mistakes I made when I was young. Dwayne, that's your name, right? Dwayne? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Listen to me. This is the voice of experience talking. Are you listening? Fuck a lot of women, Dwayne. Yeah. And you're what? like, oh, this is where this is going. Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's do it. I got no reason to lie to you. Yeah. And he's, <laughs> he's like, just... he's like, you smoke heroin. He's like, yeah, don't do that when you're old like me. Do it when you're, that's for your younger years. <laughs> Brandon, kick us off at the end. What's your favorite scene from the end? I mean, I think probably the... The uh, you finally get to the uh, the competition and she she does the routine that her and her grandpa have been working on. And you really can't believe that this is what they've what they've been working on. And it's the parents reactions I thought were fairly appropriate for for what was going on on stage. Uh, Nothing about that routine. Uh, was appropriate but also by this point at the movie you're like i'm not surprised that this is what grandpa and 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 her were working on all this time there's a scene in the beginning where they're practicing growling (laughs) yeah when they're the hotel room and they're practicing and and she gets the growl in and it's perfect yeah but you forget about that you forget about it and then it comes back you're like oh my god they practiced that in the hotel (laughs) he's like can I sleep with grandpa? She's, he's like, I can run through my, my routine a couple times. He's like, yeah, you need the practice. <laughs> Amanda, what about you? 
obviously the the performance is the one of the best scenes in the movie or the best scene in the movie, right? Um, but I also like when Dwayne discovers that he's colorblind mm-hmm. in the van. I love that scene because the anxiety level between like all the background noise and the panic happening and the discovery of it. And then as he's trying to like break out of the van, um, Uncle Frank's like, this better be good (laughs) because he knows he's about to break his silence. Oh, I didn't catch that. I I thought Greg Kinnear said that. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was Uncle Frank. No, because Greg Kinnear's like, what am I pulling over for? Like, like he's trying to get a hold of the situation when everybody's like, just pull over, just pull over. And he, as he's pulling over, he's like, this better be good. Oh, I thought it was uh, Uncle Frank. That takes away the value of that. No. Completely. Masterclass in acting from our guy, Paul Dano. Thank you. I Yes. Like, oh. We're all going to fight you, Ryan. Go ahead. Keep going. Follow that outline. I agree. It's a very well acted scene. And I give Paul Dano a lot of shit. I, I'm not the biggest Paul Dano fan, but I thought that scene was really good. I thought that maybe the scene would have been more effective if he had broken his silence in the van. And that was the reason for them having to like pull over versus pull over, run a quarter mile down a hill and then scream. I, I just I thought that was pushing it just a little too far. Me personally, that's all. Like, that was the only thing I didn't like about that scene. I think it takes away from Dwayne's reaction, though, to not have the self-control to wait after he's been silent for however many months, right? Um, But also, he spends the whole time, he spends the whole movie talking about how he doesn't want to be anywhere near his family. So do you think he's really going to show that moment of weakness in the van with the family that he doesn't want to be around at all? No, that's actually a really good point. I didn't think about that. I know that I wouldn't want that. You don't share you don't share that feeling with them. Right. Dad, what about you? What's your So this scene hit home for me was the scene between Steve Carell and Paul Dano about years of suffering and how those are some of the best years of your lives. And we kind of talked about this last week about like me and my friend and our experiences and when you look back, you think like you had fun, right? And you're glad you did it. But in the moment, it just doesn't feel like that. But it's those it's those moments of suffering that really shape your character. It's not like necessarily the fun moments that do. It's the moments of like, you know, where you're tested. That's a really important lesson for teenagers to hear. Yeah. Because when teenagers feel that suffering, they can't see anything past it. Like, again, I talked about this on the podcast before. But when like one of my kids is like, Mr. Dow, I can't I can't work like so and so my boyfriend, girlfriend, like broke up with me. I'm like, it doesn't. It's like not a big deal. Like you'll get over it in a month. Like, you know, but like in that moment, like they just feel so much pain. But when they look back, they're going to really just be like, well, it wasn't that big a deal. But they don't realize how that shaped who they are. What about you, Ryan? The pageant assistant comes up and asks her, I need your track music. And she's like, yeah, hands in the CD. And he looks at the CD. Okay, what track? Track 12. It's just funny. Like to yeah. me, like, cause, cause that's the part where you're like, okay, she's working with her grandfather on a dance routine. And then it dawned on me. I was like, what possibly could a man of his age be teaching her a dance routine to? <laughs> exactly. And that it's was like, the first time when I, when I realized I was like, wait a minute, this isn't going where I think it's going. Is it? And then you see her dressed up in like the top hat and the little vest. And I'm like, oh, she's probably going to do like one of those like 1940s, like top hat <laughs> dances, like a rockette kind of thing. Yeah. You thought it was going to be a Sinatra dance. Right. I thought it was going to be something fun, like old Vegasy showgirl kind of like. Oh, was it ever? Oh. New, new Vegas. 
Uh, deeper plot discussion. Yeah, how about you lead it on this one? Okay, so I had a couple. We've we've touched on a few of these already. Um, so one thing that I wanted to do was does and this is kind of a Ryan moment. I'm sorry, guys, but like, can you think of a crazy family story like from your childhood? And I'll I'll start it off since I kind of posed the question. So when we went to Australia, my uncle, there was probably 16 of us that came that went to visit Australia, and we rented one of those like huge like Ford like 20 passenger vans and we went to the mall and we went into a parking garage and the, the van was too tall to go in <laughs> and we a hundred percent scraped the top of that thing. So what my uncle and my dad's did was they went out and they let out air, a little bit of air <laughs> out of all four tires and we barely fit. And then we went back out. And the first thing we did was go to a gas station and fill our tires. Back. Oh That's really smart, though. Yeah. Just like, if, does anybody have any other crazy family stories like that? Go ahead, Ryan. I mean, not one that comes to mind. I'm not used to being put on the spot. Like exactly. This. It's tough, isn't it? No, it's fucking easy. The one okay, that comes to mind is the time that it, it's like a mixture of this movie and the Griswolds all mixed together yeah. is when we when we took a van from South Texas to Orlando, Florida, when I was like eight, I vividly remember we stopped once and we drove for like 24 hours straight. Let me tell you, it was an adventure. Every state, something felt like it happened. Like there was a fight, there was an argument. At one point, I was like, I'm going to turn this damn bus around. It was just like, <laughs> I was like, so am I not going to see Mickey Mouse? Like, what's the deal? I don't have any crazy stories because when we're on the road trips we did take, um, I'm a younger generation millennial, so I already had like a handheld gaming device of some sort, so I could ignore my parents the whole time. Fun fact about that. So in the scene where he's like, Dwayne, let me give you some advice. You see uh, Abigail Breslin just like jamming out. Yeah. So she actually they just have her like listening to Kelly Clarkson on super loud. So she didn't know what was going on until she saw the movie. And she was like, oh, my God, he said so many bad words. <laughs> That's so <laughs> funny. That's so funny. What about you, Brandon? You got a crazy family story? We are, So we took a family trip to Michigan one time because my dad's from Michigan. We drove um, from Texas to Michigan, Austin to, to Michigan. And um, he, my dad bought these um, these screen, these uh, sunscreens to keep the sun uh, out of the, the car on the, the back. Yeah. And he, he put them on himself. But I guess he heard... The guy saying, oh, yeah, you know, you put them on. The, he thought you put them on the outside. So we're like five, we're 10 minutes into this trip and they go, they go flying off the, the window. That's and so good. for the rest of the trip, like you just have the sun beating down on us because the windows weren't tinted. And so like that, that starts the first time that my mom That's is, is so like chewing fun. him out on this trip. But obviously not the last time. Um, <laughs> Five minutes in. <laughs> you're just like, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. So the other thing I, I, why do we think that she is so intent on doing this pageant? Because obviously she's the driving force behind all of it. Nobody's that super interested. Usually with like, pageants and stuff like parents like are kind of you know leading the way on this but it's very obvious that she is the one that wants to do this and why do we think that is brian i think this question is best probably answered by you because olivia why does like 
what is it uh, what is it particular in particular that she likes to do pageants or used to like doing pageants i mean for her it's the attention it is very obviously 150 percent the attention mm. uh she likes being on stage she likes being the the focus of everybody's attention and that's a that's a good question though for abigail breslin's character because i have no idea what the motivation behind her wanting to do the pageants is either on the one hand i thought maybe because paul dano's character um because maybe the parents are so focused on the brother and so focused or the uncle so focused on uh paul dano's character that maybe uh and so focused on dad and his nine steps and then mom's burned out single parent like she's not getting attention but she's getting attention from her grandpa so i i you know i right. i'm not sure what the motivation is there as a girl who was once a little girl i believe that it has to do with like the fantastical appearance of a pageant and the life that pageant girls have right when i was little figure skating was really big i wanted nothing more than to be a figure skater with the pretty little dress that's covered in sparkles and glitter twirling around on the ice I wanted real badly to be Michelle Kwan. My sister, too. She did ice skating, too. See? Yep. How old's your sister? Uh, she was born 88. Yep. See? That's interesting. But yeah, she's definitely wholesome. Yeah. And so pure. Yeah. It just, yeah, it, your heart, your heart melts for like some of those scenes with her. Like when she asked the, when she asked, what is it? Who is it? Miss California? When she asked Miss California oh, yeah, if she eats ice, ice cream. Oh, my God. Uh, did you hear her mom? She said she eats ice cream. <laughs> I can eat ice cream. I mean, that's basically the sentiment. She yeah. Had. Oh, that was so. Mm. Um, the next thing, I, the next topic is like the idea of in a relationship, the dreamer versus the supporters of dreamers. Tony Collette's obviously had to deal with this nine steps for a really long time. <laughs> right. Right. And like, how do you as a partner support that? But at the same time, and the problem is, is his dream is so rooted in not quitting this can go real deep real fast i i think that in a lot of relationships there is a dreamer and there is a supporter mm -hmm. that's the only way a relationship like that works yeah. you can't have two dreamers yeah and two supporters uh, is kind of boring yeah exactly um but it's up to the supporter to determine whether or not that dreamer is only dreaming for themselves or if they're also dreaming for the rest of their family. Like, are they pursuing this dream at the cost of their family for something just so they can be successful? Or are you pursuing the dream to make everybody around you also successful and comfortable? Because you're, as a supporter, you're more forgiving mm -hmm. of being, you know, kind of cast aside or being burnt out if ultimately that goal is to lift everyone up with yep. you. But if you're just like, I just want to be a guru and I want to write my book for me because I have an ego, you're, the supporter doesn't want to support that kind of dreamer. Do you mm. think Greg Kinnear was that type of dreamer or it was just in it for himself? Because there are several times throughout that the the movie when when especially when they're going through like they're coming to blows, not I mean, kind of blows, but verbally coming to blows in the hotel. He's like, I'm you know, we're this close. We're so close. Like we is he just throwing in we so that he's throwing it off the scent of it's me, me, me? I, I think by the end it is. Because I think at the end it is an ego thing. Because he knows that they're bankrupt. Right. And yet he and refuses to not, like, at the very least get another job 
and you could still pursue this, but like, it's just a refusal to accept that like you can do something to help your family and still pursue your dream. At the end of the day, like it's his ego that's, that's running the show because he doesn't, he doesn't stop to recognize what it's doing to his family. Winners don't quit. The quitters don't win. Because he doesn't want to label himself. Yes. As a loser. Because he could easily abandon that, but he won't. That's ego. Ooh, I love that explanation. I, I know every time we talked about Grandpa Edwin. His name is Edwin? Isn't is it Edwin? It's Edwin. I don't know. It? It, I am to be, it just labels him as a grandpa. Grandpa. I thought, I thought it was Edwin. I could be I wrong. I have no idea. He has all the funny lines and everything is either a a wisecrack or it's some inappropriate story or joke. But when he goes to his son, Richard, and says, I'm proud of you just for, you know, losers don't even try. That is such a good, like, depth of that character. Because you could still be a sex-driven old man that snorts heroin, but you could also still remember that you're a dad. You're a father. Yeah. And your son's reeling there and says, you know, he's just proud of you. And it sucks because Greg Kinnear's immediate response is like, fuck off. And then realizes. There you go. You're right. That's, Thanks, Dad. That's what, made, that's what made it like really hit home is Greg Kinnear then realizes exactly that like he needed that. I brought that up because it ties into your okay. last part. Yeah. And I just thought the, 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 the whole family dynamic between all the different webs, right? Like all the parent-children relationships, all the sibling-sibling relationships, grandfather-granddaughter, and then, like, Frank as, like, almost like a third-party member who slowly is, by the end, a primary member of the family. And I thought all of those relationships were... We, we hit a lot of those already topic, but, like, I thought that was a really interesting thing about the movie, too, is everybody, like, touches everybody else in the web. Speaking of everybody touching everybody in the web, Dow, who do you think Amanda is in this movie? So honestly, the person that I thought Amanda was, was Dwayne. <laughs> because she can sometimes put an air as I don't like anybody. But in the end, I think Dwayne has the highest emotional intelligence out of everybody in the family. Oh, thanks, Dal. And you really see that in two scenes. The first one, when Grandpa dies and Tony Collette is a mess. And he writes to Abigail Breslin, go hug her. Yeah. Like he's not going to allow himself to go hug her, but he knows that she needs it. And so she, he's going to make sure that she gets what she needs. The second one is when Olive goes to talk to him and he gets back in the van, the place that he wants to be the least out of anywhere in this world. But for her, she'll get, he'll get back in the van. And that's why I think that Amanda's doing. That was so that very obviously nice. does not make me <laughs> Abigail Breslin. She'd be like, <laughs> She'd be like, no, bitch. <laughs> Go away. Cece is Abigail Breslin. Thank oh, you very definitely. much. To a T. Oh, really? That's so sweet. And you're going to be really disappointed because that, that, that answer was so thoughtful and I couldn't connect any of them with you. So, Dal, I would like to know, who do you identify with in this movie? A part of me would like to say that I'm Grandpa. I can see that. Like, yes. mouthy, very frank. You don't have a filter. Yeah, it's yeah. almost to being inappropriate at times. But then I think the scene that really did it was, again, the Greg Kinnear, like, he needs a pat on the shoulder. Yeah. Let me give him a pat on the shoulder because he really needs it right now. In a sense, I see he, that for sure. He kind of does that for everybody. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. tells, oh, yeah. you know, oh, he yeah. tells his son, hey, I'm proud of you. Maybe by taking care and, and helping really raise um, Olive. Uh, Olive, that that's helping Cheryl in a way. 
when he tells Dwayne, you know, maybe Dwayne needs to hear this. Hey, man, you just yeah. maybe you just need to get fucking laid. Yeah. And you would be a much nicer, better person. Yeah. If that was the case. And then, and then his interactions with like with uh, Uncle Frank, he's like, and, and he tells him to go buy porn. And yeah. Get something for yourself. Get something you know, like, for yourself. Yeah. You like, tell us you're going know, through a breakup, you know, yeah, he doesn't know how to do it, but he knows he needs to do a little bit of something. Yeah. Dad was totally grandpa. Brandon. <laughs> you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? <laughs> no, you go. You can go first. I don't want you to ever take this the wrong oh my way. God. God dang it. Here we go. <laughs> Every week it's here. Hold on we to go. your butts. Hold on no, to your it's, butts. It's really, this isn't like a big leap or anything like that, but I, I feel like you're the closest to Olive than all of us. I know it's not like profound or anything like that. I mean, it's just like. No, I want to know what the, please expand. I don't know if you do karaoke. I don't know if you dance really, but I, love I th- karaoke. see, I don't like, I think that out of the, out of the four of us here, I think three of us would be too embarrassed to go do it. You would go and do it. Like we would be the ones that would have to like see you fail. And we three would be the ones that would get on stage in order to like, not necessarily encourage you, but the only way the three of us would get on stage is if you were already up there. Does that make sense? Yeah. None of us else would do that. Like you would be the one on stage just like having fun and we'd be like, damn, like that's Brandon just having a good time. You know, that's Olive just having a good time. Like she's, she's brave. Doesn't care. But without, it's not a fear for, for Olive, right? It's a, it's a fear for the other people. She just has, doesn't have a care in the world about it. Yeah, She lacks that. She lacks that fear. I mean, that makes sense. I, 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 yeah, that makes sense. I'm I just, not. Aff- I am not offended. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Do you have a Do you have a differing a differing opinion of that? No, I guess. I mean that that makes the most sense out of all the characters. Uh, that makes the most sense. And um, there's not a lot to choose from, so it's yeah, right. Um, I guess from a, you know, and I I was gonna I was maybe gonna say uh, Greg Kinnear's character, but <laughs> um, you know. He's he. It feels like he was he was supposed to be the villain in this, and I I, I have a real hard time making him the villain by the end of this thing because I'm like, you know what? That's just a dad who's trying to right to go back to Amanda's uh, discussion or point about you know like is he doing this for himself or doing this for his family? I really think that he is doing this for his family, and I just I had a really hard time, I guess making him the bad guy at the end of the day. I thought he was just a dad who really maybe going about it the wrong way, but really cared about his family, really wanted the best for them. Uh, he just didn't know how to, how to get there. It's because he's so incredibly insecure out of everyone. Yeah. He's the most insecure. It almost feels like I have to have something like she is the one that keeps us afloat. My dad is like the entertainment. Olive is our, our beacon of light. And Dwayne is the one with a plan. What am I like? What do I bring to the table of this family almost feels like? No. Yeah, no, I think, I think that you hit the nail on the head with that one. Like, it's just so interesting. Like when uncle Frank jabs him a little bit about the steps and then the whole sarcasm thing in the, in the car, because you know, that just hits a nerve that's so raw, but so exposed at the same time. Brandon, who do you think Ryan is? <laughs> oh boy! Think- 
Brandon just, I don't know if y'all caught that, but Brandon spent a lot of time like complimenting Greg Kinnear's character. <laughs> like he's not a villain. <laughs> because someone in this podcast. He's trying real he's, hard. He's doing just, it for his he family. The, the best way to do it. <laughs> Which I do agree with too. Yeah. No, you, you 100% by the end of the movie feel like Greg Kinnear is in it for his family. Obviously, like, right? Yeah. Like, as soon as that guard touches Olive, like, he goes full, like... Yeah. He's just misunderstood. Actually, no, he's not misunderstood. That thing no, with the ice cream, dick. that is that is he, he, incredibly... That's horrible. That's a horrible dad. Well, I think he misunderstands himself. Wait, we haven't officially said... Brandon. <laughs> oh, I was really think? hoping... <laughs> I was really hoping that we were just, you know, we... we <laughs> just, we met Go the right quota first. <laughs> yeah. Listeners, why don't you comment into who do you think Brandon thinks that Ryan is? We'll put up a poll. Yeah, we'll put up a poll. We'll put up a poll. Is it Richard or Richard or Richard? <laughs> so why do you think that I'm Richard, Amanda? Dude. I thought. Come on. What? You are, dude. Wow. And, and You wow. can't for a second say that you are not, re- like that you don't relate to Greg's character. In this movie, Richard's character in the movie. I, re- I think we could all relate to Greg's character in some sure. way, shape, or form, but I don't think that I would ever treat my child anything like that. No, no, but again, the idea of... Yeah, like, I knew you were going to do that, but no, I would I ever fat shame my own kid? No, but again, th- nobody in this would movie... Would I call her a loser? No, nobody in this movie is 100% a personification of the characters that were picked for us. I'm not story right. heroin. That doesn't make me not grandpa. So all the best qualities that he has is what I am. Great dad. Yeah, I'll take that then. Some of the semi-negative ones you also have, but that doesn't mean that you're a negative character. You have a very strong will to win. Yes. And you want success, and it can be an overbearing need for that success. This podcast is your nine steps. It is. You you can sometimes not recognize how assertive you are being. (laughs) In your Amanda's support. So nice. <laughs> but again, would anybody change that necessarily for this? No, because that assertiveness is what makes us happen every Friday, right? Like without that, we don't do this. And that is a positive. Yeah. Yeah. But Ryan gets shit done. Yeah, but it is there. It is there. Y'all want to get to some awards? Let's do it. All right. The Toby Brewster Jordana McGuire Award. <laughs> Who do you guys got? Dal, you go first. Okay, so for me, it was Tony Collette, just because there are times where you forget that she's in it, I guess. And maybe that was the point of it. Like, she's in there Bingo. supporting everybody. But again, it's just tough to pick one, right? Like, I feel like everybody does such a great job in their role that maybe I'm just picking more of a character more than an acting performance. I think you're right. Yeah. Amanda, who do you have? Because she's, she's, she's meant to kind of fade into the background because she is just the support for everybody else. Yeah. I don't have anybody because honestly, I don't think anybody did a bad job here. Yeah. Like at all. Yeah. I would probably say that the, the grad student, whoever that guy was, it oh, just wasn't, yeah. he just wasn't very good. Oh, it yeah. was a nobody. I wish it had been, I wish they had put like a cameo of somebody. Matt Damon, like Matt Damon's great at that. Like just, yeah, yeah. right. Like a Matt Damon, just insert, uh-huh. you're like, what is he doing in this movie? That's actually a good point. Yeah. He was kind of forgettable yeah. and you would have expected that to be a more impactful role. Brandon, do you have anybody for the Toby Brewster Jordana McGuire Award? I mean, I think I agree with the Tony Collette sentiment. Um, and I th- think that that maybe is by design. 
But yeah, it's. I think it, if you have to pick somebody out of this cast for this award, I, I feel that it's Tony Collette. And and I don't mean this in a mean way or a bad way. She just naturally looks like a tired person in a way. Yeah. And I almost think that they looked at her and they were like, you know what? We understand that her role is not probably the most well-written completely from top to mm-hmm. bottom, but yeah. she looks the part of the tired mom. The The Alonzo Harris Award for the best scene. <laughs> Dad, what you got? I think the outburst scene. Yeah. The man, the I thought that was like, again, the portrayal of anxiety and the need to absolutely leave the situation. I mean, I... I don't know. Yeah, can I ask you a question? Sure. And I'll edit this out if you would like me to, and we'll, sure. I'll ask the question to you. At what age did you realize you were colorblind? Mm, great question. So, I was... You're colorblind? Yeah. I Are you was, colorblind? Yeah, I am. <laughs> wow. If we ever want to do the... T- if, if, you, if you want to do that test together, it's hilarious. Oh, it is. It's <laughs> so I, funny. I, did, I, thought, I, did, I thought it was a bit like we were in school. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did this in, uh, in bio, I took biology my freshman year and uh, there was a biology lab and one of the labs was doing the colorblind test. And he's like, this is the first time I've ever had a colorblind person in here. <laughs> I don't know where to go from here. I'm I'm glad I could entertain you. I got like three out of 15, right? But I was, um, I was five. Okay. You were five. Were you, were you broken up when you found out that you could? My dad was, and that was the first time I ever felt disappointed as a son. (laughs) We were in the optometrist and the doctor's like, what color, what number is this? And I'm like, I don't know. My dad's like, are you fucking serious? You know, your numbers, motherfucker. (laughs) I was just about to say when you started this story, like how disappointed were your parents that you didn't dad, have like you could, you could tell the disappointment in my dad was palpable. The reason I asked that is because why would a 15 year old now just be finding out that he's colorblind? If, if he has 20-20 vision, he would never know because he has he doesn't have to go to the eye doctor. But they do checks, don't they? Like schools? They, they, yeah, no? they check they check to whether you can see. And if you can, then yeah. they don't send you for glasses. So yeah. there's no reason to go to an optometrist. They check to see if you can see. That scene is the only scene I didn't particularly care for for Uncle Frank all that much is when he basically just says, you're colorblind, you can't fly now. Yeah. That it, was, was it, was, it was very like, I thought we were going somewhere, you two, yeah, like bonding. You yeah. were, it was off-putting is what sure. it was. Uh, Amanda, what was your favorite scene? I want to go back to that real quick, though. like Because I, I, I agree with Dow, A, because I always agree with Dow, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's a it's a tie between fucking chicken and uh, Paul Dano realizing that he's fucking colorblind. It's, it's, those those two scenes are just they're the best scenes in this movie by far. We didn't collaborate, Ryan, to upset you. Uh, mine is the the scene before uh, Grandpa dies. Mm. The "Am I pretty?" Uh-huh. scene. I think that's just. If I had to guess, and I don't know, I didn't read anything about this, but I believe that that scene for the both of them is what sealed them both nominations mm. for yeah. best supporting actor. Yeah, if I had to, if I had to guess, probably. Yeah, you're that, right. That's the scene that got it. Uh, Dow, the AC Law Award. Breslin. Really? Yeah. You're calling her a flame out? She's so young. Nope. Other definition. <laughs> There's three, aren't there? <laughs> There's a bunch of definitions. It can be anything you want. There's two. There's two. Like breakout versus flame out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Amanda, what do you got for the AC Law, the fourth award? Does this count as a Steve Carell breakout? I would say so. Dramatically, I would say yeah, so. Yeah, this is his first dramatic role. Yeah, dramatically, I would say so. Yeah. 
Then I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Steve Carell here. He is an excellent dramatic actor, and he couldn't get that for a long time. Or he just like people because he does so many um, funny characters. People are, like seem to hesitate to put him in a dramatic role, or even accept him in a dramatic role when they're watching him. But he's he's perfect in those roles. Brandon, what you got for the AC Law the Fourth Award? It's uh, it's uh, Brian Cranston. <laughs> <laughs> this was his breakout role. <laughs> he he came out of nowhere, put up some solid numbers, then disappeared. Yeah. In the movie, for sure. I like, like it. That was, I like yeah. it. You're just like, wait, he's in this? <laughs> like, I've seen this movie before. Um, You got to go with Breslin. Like, you just, to me, you just have to. All right, the Mark Wahlberg Award for the Best Acting Performance. Amanda, you start us off. I'm going to give it to Abigail Breslin. What? I know. What? I'm giving it to a child. That's strong. That's awesome. But that, but well deserved. Yeah, but that's that's what makes it even more remarkable. Usually, kids in roles like this don't do a really great job. She yeah, did. she was one of those kids where like you knew she was a she was a gifted actor because we even praised her in Signs, and she was like what five in that? I mean, a baby. She's excellent. Yeah, she's a baby. Yep. Brandon, what about you? What you got for the Mark Wahlberg Award for the best acting performance? Oh God, you know what? It's Paul Dano. Yeah, he. You know what? He he makes me uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> yes, that's very well said. I and I I looked up his age. He's thirty seven. He doesn't. He looks like he's fucking eighteen. And but he's he's a grown ass man. Yeah. There's uh, something not right about that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's it's I. You know, it's it's obviously Alan Arkin won best supporting, but um, I just. I thought Paul Dano was very effective in this movie. And he didn't even talk for most of it. Yeah. But it I was still effective. A Wally-like quality to him. <laughs> <laughs> Dow, what you got? So I picked Greg Kinnear. Everything that he did, I believe. From the beginning where he is like almost... Like at the beginning, if you were to say like Greg Kinnear is going to redeem himself, his character is going to redeem himself, you're like, no way. And he does in the end, you know what I mean? Like, I just felt like he did a great performance of, like, making you absolutely despise him to kind of almost feeling good about his character by the end. So I thought that was a great job. I just wonder what he go- what he does on, what what he does after this. Like, where does he go from here? He did, uh, what, Baby Daddy? No, 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 not Greg Kinnear. I'm talking about, like, the oh. character. Oh, yeah. That he is gets a, a job. Question. I think so. I think so. Can your baby mama? It's like Jamba Juice. Yeah, it's like Jamba Juice. <laughs> um, you know me. I'm a I'm a Oscars whore. It, it's got to be Alan Arkin. Just fired on all cylinders. And I think that's that's a testament to this cast because all four of us picked four different people, and nobody had any real pushback. And nobody picked Tony Collette, who was nominated for the Toby Brewster Jordana McGuire Award. Mm. So I guess that makes sense. Mm, true. Quotes, quotes, what we got? All right, what do we got left? Fire off a couple. Um, oh, one scene that I thought was hilarious was when they left Olive, but they couldn't <laughs> slow down to get yeah. her. So they had to keep maintained speed. And this little girl is running to try to jump into this moving vehicle. And sweet little Olive is not even mad about it. Yeah. She's just sitting there waiting patiently. Yeah. She's like, they'll come back. And they do. She's adorable. 
another one that isn't mentioned was um, there's a scene um, before, uh, like when they're in the hotel and it's a vice scene or that's what I called it, a vice mm-hmm. scene. So like uh, Tony Collette's smoking. Um, Steve Carell is looking at a picture of his ex and himself. Um, uh, Alan Arkin's doing heroin. That's right before he dies. And for me, Greg Kinnear's also doing his vice. But what he's doing is he's running to go see Brian Cranston to fix the situation. And that, I feel like, was an interesting thing. It was like four different vices of four different manners. I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. I never even thought of that. And then the last one I had that we didn't talk about was <laughs> the, 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 the pageant assistant who's – she was in 24 – um, she's been a lot of other stuff too, but she's like walking Abigail Breslin to the stage. She's like 25 is performance ready and we are walking yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was really as good. fast as yeah, we can, as fast as we can. Cause obviously she needs to walk faster, but she's not. <laughs> Brandon, did you have any, Amanda, did you have any? No, I didn't have any quotes for this one. Um, besides fucking chicken. <laughs> I mean, but mine isn't really like a comedic one. Mine is the, the line in the van with Richard. When he's giving him his little pep talk. Losers oh, yeah. are people who are so afraid of winning, they don't even try. Yeah, that was really nice. And very true. All right. Ratings. Um, How about this? Brandon, why don't you kick us off on the ratings? I think I said at the beginning of this that uh, I, I, I don't want to call this a special movie. Because uh, that feels cliche. Uh, but that's kind of what it is. Uh, it's one of those movies that, uh, has a great reputation has, and if you, for the first time, me for the first time seeing it, uh, completely understand, uh, where people are coming from with this movie. It's, it's a four for me. I, I mean, I'm definitely going to remit this movie's going to stick with me for a while. Which dad did you identify with? Cause there's a, there's a dad that's sitting in the crowd that's, you could tell he's a pageant dad and his his wife is a pageant wife. But then there's the, the biker dad that's just there. I have to be there. And then there's Greg Kinnear who's kind of just like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> that I mean, I'm definitely Greg Kinnear at the beginning of these things or at the beginning <laughs> when we started doing this. I, I was I mean, and we didn't do like the full makeup and hair and stuff. But, you know, they, they've got the dresses and they. They do the little struts and and it's just like, man, what is what is this? This oh, this is so interesting. You know, I, for for me in the beginning, honestly, with pageants, it was like, you know, like I don't understand how this uh, benefits the girls because you know they're being judged essentially on their looks, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, I I don't I don't get this. Why why would why would we want our kids to participate in this? But you know, it, over time, you know, you realize it's a little more than than that it's you know they they build relationships with these with the other girls and you know they it's about the performing and the bonds that they have and and stuff like that so um over time i kind of softened my my stance on pageants but in the beginning i i didn't get it interesting amanda what you got what's your rating you're actually going to be surprised by my answer it's going to be a three for me um I would a thousand percent recommend this movie over and over and over again. But as far as rewatching it, I could do without only because it feels emotionally taxing for me to watch it. And so I would really have to be in the mood to be like, you know what? I'm feeling sentimental or I'm feeling like, I don't know, 
I feel down and I want something to lift me up, I guess. But I could I could skip rewatching this. It's taxing for me because of the roller coaster you go on with the family. I think my answer would surprise some too. Go ahead. I'm giving my first ever on this podcast decimal. <laughs> it's a 3.5 for me. I'm taking off a half point because Paul Dano. <laughs> Stop. I hate you. It's not because of Paul Dano. I, I in all seriousness, I like I like Klitsy a lot. If you know that name, then you know what Paul Dano role I'm talking about. But I, I think emotionally taxing is a little too much, but it's one of those that, man, I have to be in the mood to see this movie. And maybe mm-hmm. that's why at the end, like at the end of last week when we decided to do this movie, I was like, ah, I don't know if I'm really in the mood to do this one. And but as soon as I watched it, the the you know the 20 minutes in, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm so glad we did this movie. I'm so glad we're deciding to talk about Little Miss Sunshine because like the film's themes are just so different. Like it it, it teaches us kind of like to embrace like the middle ground. I guess you could say like life can be like a beauty pageant. You know what I mean? We're, we're often like in life, like outdone by somebody, you know, prettier or more talented, smarter, or just luckier. It, it's kind of metaphoric. Like if you were to get up on that stage and then you just be yourself like Olive, then everything turns out to be great. Yeah, you've won. You've won. And that's why I, I, I really enjoyed this movie and really enjoyed revisiting it. Yeah, what you got? And finish it up for us. Finish sure, it so- out for us. So, yeah, I actually am on the same page with Amanda about this. Like, maybe it, the emotional, like, I remember being super excited to watch this. And then as I get in, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is, there's a lot of deep, deep, deep stuff in this, you know? And, like, I had to kind of break up this movie, too, because it was, like, it was tough to just walk, walk the sludge. Cause, and I think it's just because you feel so many of these emotions, and it's just, but they're so good, right? So, like, if somebody was, like, is Little Miss Sunshine a great movie? I'm like, absolutely, it's a great movie. And if they're like, sh- like, but should you watch it like all the time? Like, you know, right. I would. For me, it's an I wouldn't, but it just because there's so much stuff to unpack. But you know, for some people, that's great, right? But I don't think it's like an every. You know, it's not for everybody. Yeah, you spend a lot of the movie people. heartbroken. Yeah, yeah, and it's at the end where you get the payoff. But it, there's a lot of stuff to like unpack with this movie. But I also had a recommendation, which I almost never have for any of these movies. But um, I loved um, Dan in Real Life, which is along the same lines as this movie, like kind of a dark comedy. And it's Steve Carell in uh, in a role where his wife has been dead for a, a couple of years. And it's like his journey through accepting his roles, not only a father, but as like just a person. Yeah, I thought that, it's a really good movie. Y'all want to do a little FMK? Sure. <laughs> Frank Richard Grandpa you gotta fuck one marry one kill one go I'm interested to hear what Amanda says on this one okay Amanda you're up first oh fuck rapid fire you gotta go 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 we're up against the clock before we hit the, hit the break to discuss safe moon a cryptocurrency that pays you back I don't like this do we question. get a sponsor <laughs> I don't like this question because I think I would kill Richard and that we just called Ryan Richard this whole podcast <laughs> that's okay i love you so much <laughs> he, she does i love you too <laughs> um rapid fire <laughs> i'd marry frank because i think i would He's have a good conversation 
I don't care. Oh, come on. No, no. What no, is he? Somebody says that right no, there. That's, like, what, that's, what, that's, what, that's what grandpa says. He's like, you're a gay, right? <laughs> <laughs> or he said something else. He said, like, Frank called himself something. And he goes, there's another word for that. Yeah, at the like dinner that. table. But I think when yeah. he's buying porn, he tells him he's like, you're a gay, right? Or so I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, I yeah. thought I heard saying yeah. that. But so you would you would you would marry Frank. I would marry Frank because he's an, an intellectual type. Mm. Um. Oh my God! I think I might fuck Grandpa. <laughs> fuck Grandpa, and you kill Richard. All right, I got you. Anybody yeah. else? Grab the heart. You. Go. He probably Same. knows what Same. he's doing, so that's Same. yep. That's a good choice. You might catch something. I mean, he ran through everybody at the retirement home. He did. Just saying, there's a lot of syphilis that goes along. I'm just kidding. No, there is. Yeah, there is. There's it's actually the second biggest demographic of STDs is the elderly. Yeah, it's the elderly. Brandon, what you got? So Dow's got the same as Amanda, yeah. Brandon. Uh, probably fucking Frank, uh, marrying Grandpa, killing killing Greg Kinnear. That's what I would Damn. go with, too. Oh, I'm with nice. Brandon. You gotta kill Richard. Come on. That dude's a dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>